0: This is Kylie and you're listening to episode 23 of Fix Her Up, which is totally weird to me because I can't believe 23 for some reason that number is like hitting me like, oh my God, this is my 23rd episode. Holy cow. It's crazy. That was my phone. I'm sure you heard it. Anyways, if this is the first time you're checking Fix Her Up out, thank you for coming to my closet. I heard good feedback about the closet, so I think I'm going to stick with it if I can. When I have other people... I I don't have enough room, so it's going to have to go back to the bedroom or to the dining room or somebody else's house. I'm not even sure. Anyways, thank you for coming to my closet. If you have listened to other episodes and have decided to come back, thanks. Come on in. Have a good time in my closet. I don't even know what that means. (laughs) I wrote something snazzy for this one, like, you know, the intro that I kind of do, but this one was supposed to be episode 21, and then I did the Christmas funk one, and then I did the New Year's and the resolutions and the flood one, So, this is 23, but what's written out is really for 21. So, I didn't want to repeat myself. So, now I'm just kind of babbling and winging it, (laughs) which, yeah, surprise, surprise. (laughs) Okay. So, I want to get back to Alec. It's been a while. I know it's been a hot minute, which kind of describes the whole thing with him. It was a hot minute. I mean, it was kind of crazy. So, I've been trying to figure out where to go next. And I've actually tried to tape this. This is like my fourth time trying to tape this episode. And I scrapped all of them clearly because i haven't published anything but also like other stuff happened so i didn't want to focus on just the screwed up stuff with him because it was more than that like i was actually talking to sue my therapist about it and i was telling her like for some reason alec is harder for me than some of the other guys because i feel like some of the other guys were more clear cut and they helped me with like a specific thing and then i kept going and i'm not sure if that's accurate or not it's probably not But that's kind of how I see it in hindsight. But Alec from the very start was totally different. Like, take the agenda conversation, for instance, like that's the one I talked about, I think I talked about it in episode 20. So um, the agenda conversation, like it was this intense, messed up conversation that happened within like a couple weeks of us hanging out. I mean, normally, you don't even get to the stage where you have such an intense conversation, like where somebody's asking you, like, what's your purpose? What are you trying to do? And you're really, really analyzing it. I mean, you don't get to that point with half of the guys that you date, or at least I don't get to that point with half of the guys I date. I mean, I do appreciate the fact that there wasn't a lot of small talk. A small talk drives me a little crazy because I never know what to say. So I think if I just babbled, people would look at me like I've got like horns on or something. I don't even know. But anyways... Like I'm I'm used to super deep conversations, but later on in the process with somebody that you're dating. So he was different from like the get go. Anyways, I'm going to shift my focus a little bit and I want to look more at the toxic patterns behind it or try to look at why I was spending time with somebody who triggered me so much and brought up so much of my traumatic childhood. And maybe I just said the same thing twice. I probably did. I don't know. I think you get the idea. Does that make sense? Do you guys get the idea? I'm sure you get the idea. I'm probably the only one that's a little scattered brain today. <laughs> Anyways, Alex's personality, he had this personality that would like he would go off on a dime, like a complete 180 in his mood, which was very much like my mom when I was growing up. You know, one at one point everything was fine in the household, everything was smooth and copacetic. And the next point you were being screamed at or hit for something that you may or may not have done or something that she perceived that you did, hence the may or may not have done. Um, so I learned how to tiptoe around different stuff. Like I learned how to manage things at a very young age, which is probably why I'm really good at managing shit now. I'm not going to try to find the silver lining, but I guess maybe there there is some or something. I don't even know. But with Alec, like there was no physical abuse or anything like that. So I don't want to give that impression because none of that was present. But the lying was there and the yelling was there and the ranting and the extreme impatience mixed with criticism. And it was harsh criticism. And that's kind of how I grew up. My mom was a yeller. Like with Alec, I, I was pretty much ushered right back into my childhood. When I was a kid, I didn't really fight back a lot, you know, until I was much older, which is totally usual. I don't want to say normal or whatever, because, you know, as we know, there is really no normal. Normal is all subjective. But um you know, I didn't fight back a lot. So during a good part of my formative years and my adolescence between probably the ages of five and 12, I learned how to navigate and to manage, as I said earlier. So I navigated around the landmines that I was living in. Along with the navigation came this skill of being able to like shut part of myself down. And I'm going to call it a skill because again, I'm trying to find some silver linings. (laughs) But you know, my therapist called it traumatic. And um trauma response I guess they would probably call it now I guess would it be called the trauma response now it probably would be called the trauma response so I was able to turn my emotions off so when I put myself into similar situations with Alec somebody who was surrounded by chaos I easily could just shut part of myself off and then just go along with it because that's just what I was used to doing you know no big deal right I compartmentalized my entire life (laughs) doesn't that describe a lot of my life and a good chunk of my marriage you know, I shut myself off, I drank some bourbon, you know, what's doing it one more time with somebody else I'm dating? Wow, well, cool. Here comes zombie Kylie. <laughs> She's like shut part of herself down. But the rest of it, totally functional, totally productive, 100%, probably more 100% than other people are at 100%, even though I was partially shut off, which is kind of terrible when you think about it. That's why sometimes I try not to think about it. But it it it's fucking terrible, probably. So, so I know now you're asking yourself, why in the world would you do that to yourself? Why would you hang out with somebody like that, that triggered you so much, which, you know, good question. I'm trying to like, figure it out. And I'm still trying to figure this out, like in the moment. And I can come up with a few reasons why I hung out with them, which is good, right? I mean, that's supposedly good. I mean, there's got to be good stuff to everybody, I guess there doesn't have to be, but I like to look for it because everybody's a little bit broken, right? If you can see it and you can deal with it, then maybe that makes them less broken or I don't know. I mean, that's just kind of coming out too. So anyways, let's get into like the first reasons why and the good things that came with Alec. The first thing that comes to mind, is I like the spontaneity of him. He would randomly show up at my house and say, hey, I've got to go downstate to check into a house. Because at the time, he was helping flip a house that was in central Illinois. Do you want to drive down with me? And we can stop at Wally's, which to me, I love Wally's. I don't know if you guys know about Wally's. It's a truck stop or like a pit stop on um, I-55 going south. And you get to Wally's like before you hit Bloomington. It is the best. It's kind of like a Bucky's." But if you're familiar with Bucky's, I don't know, Bucky's is out of Texas. I think they're also in Florida. It's like a pit stop that has everything. Like, I personally, I kind of like Wally's more than Bucky's. That's just because I was more exposed to Wally's, I guess. But they have everything. Like, you walk in there and it's like, truck stop heaven to me it's like all the fountain drinks it's like a whole wall of fountain drinks and it's all the jerky and all the popcorn and all the pastries they make their own stuff they make their own barbecue they're like they're popping fresh popcorn which is the best smell ever and it's all these things and according to my youngest niece it has the best ice in the world because it's got the ice that is kind of like chick-fil-a ice i guess I don't know. I guess that's a thing if you're into ice, which I'm really not. So Um, he would be like, okay, let's go down. Let's take a random trip. And it would be fun, you know, like it would be really fun to do that. One of the random trips that we took was a couple days before what would have been my first wedding anniversary while I was divorced, you know, first wedding anniversary as a divorced person. That's kind of hard to say. I asked him what he was doing in that particular date. And he was like, I don't know. And then later on in the conversation, I said, hey, the reason I asked you was because it would be my wedding anniversary. And I'd like to do something so I don't think about the fact that it's my first wedding anniversary and I'm divorced, you know. So he shows up at my house like, I mean, okay, wait, before we get into it, I'd like to say kudos to me because I totally verbalized and vocalized why I was asking for something and what I needed. So that's good, right? So I'm sharing, showing signs of growth. <laughs> Even back then with somebody who totally triggered me, I was still showing signs of growth in other areas. So that's good, right? Anyways, the day before what would have been the anniversary, he comes to my house and he's just like, okay, you have 20 minutes, you have to pack it back because we're going to leave town. Like we're going to get you out of here because you don't need to be here on tomorrow's date. And I was like, Oh my god, that was so nice. You know, like, it was so sweet. But he was so impatient that, you know, he was doing this great gesture. And I was like, oh, my God, it's so nice and so sweet. And I remember I called Sue and said, hey, if you need me, I'm going to be in the car. We're going to go down to central Illinois and and I'm going to hang out. And he's really he's just getting me out of town because tomorrow would be my anniversary. And so she's like, oh, my God, that's so sweet. And she's like, honestly, she's like, do it. I'll call you if I need to. Whatever. It's fine. Like, if you're slow, go ahead and go. But she's just like, as these anniversaries come, you'll... Forget them as you go on. Like not forget them, but it'll the day will pass and you won't even notice. Which is nice. It's a nice thing to say. And she was totally, totally on board with it. So I'm getting ready and he's so impatient that he's like screaming at me to go faster, you know? And he's just like, You need to be faster, you need to be faster. And I was like, Okay, whatever, you know, like I mean he literally just came over and I think I had showered that day, which was a good thing. It was a nice gesture. That ended up being filled with anxiety for me because he was screaming at me because I wasn't going fast enough to leave the house fast enough, which it was like one o'clock in the afternoon or something. So what would fast enough even look like? Like, who cares if it takes me a half hour to pack an overnight bag and to make sure the cat has stuff and water and all of those things? You know, I mean, can you guys leave the house in like 10 minutes and like pack an overnight bag and then actually pack like some sexy stuff? Because I was packing all that, too. because I was like, oh, well if I'm going to be in a hotel with a hottie um, on what would be my anniversary, damned if I'm not going to get laid, right? So I actually packed some like I had this little outfit that I had gotten for my bachelorette party that I never wore for my ex to think I talked about in my episode with Nancy. So it you know, it takes me a little bit of time to, to do these things. Like I, I don't just like run around, you know, like, I like to say I'm spontaneous, but I'm spontaneous. And a little bit laid back about it. Does that make sense? I don't know. Anyways, so to the outside world, it probably looked like this really super nice gesture. But on the inside, I was like filled with like anxiety and like it's not fast enough. Like, I don't know if that's not an accurate description of my relationship with Alec or my marriage. Like on the outside, everything looked great. But I'm filled with like angst and anxiety and stress and whatever. And my childhood. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know what is right. So okay, that's even though he was spontaneous, he did trigger all that stuff, and you know my automatic everything. So part of me, we're still a zombie. Yep. Yeah, mm-hmm, yeah. Toxic relationship, much, Kylie. <laughs> I mean, I'm laughing, but come on. So and since I'm in my closet, you know my foot's asleep. It's totally asleep right now. It's driving me a little crazy. Okay. So another reason for me hanging out with Alec which was obvious to many of my friends, because they would comment to me on it all the time, was that he occupied so much of my time. And like, not only that, but he filled up a lot of space in my world. I guess this one is kind of a two-parter. You know, the first part is really like, he, f- he filled up my time you know, and when I met him, I was just finished with my first round of renovations. And I had already painted and I changed the fixtures in the living room and I redecorated the condo and I no longer had these weekend projects to occupy my time. Instead, I had anniversaries that might be painful and weekends with not much to do. So I'm not really good at being bored. You know, I like to keep myself busy. But I filled up my time with Alec like filled up my time with him, even though I knew he was probably one of the worst people I could fill up my time with. And I know that I was the same thing for him. He wasn't spending as much time with his kid as he wanted to, which he did on the weekends. So he was filling up his time with me. And we weren't the greatest company for each other. Like I, I triggered him as much as he triggered me. But in the end, like we were human and warm bodies that we i guess we were simply just trying not to face our own shit i recently talked to sue about this and she reminded me that while i was in it with alec i i said something to her i said i know he's triggering me somehow and i know it's not something i should stick around for but i still didn't walk away i saw a lot of him when we first started dating he came to my place and didn't leave for a week It was too much, but I'm so non-confrontational that I didn't say anything until it was well past the expiration date of when he should have left. So we stayed for a week and then we were talking about something a week later and I said some smart ass comment about it and it totally hurt his feelings. I didn't mean to hurt his feelings. You know, he's, he's kind of what I call like, I don't know, an unevolved cancer and, and not the disease. I mean, like the astrological sign or whatever. But he was in his feelings a lot. So and apparently I hurt them all the time, which I didn't mean to do. But I liked the fact that he was actually in his feelings so much. But I don't know, like, so he got mad at me. And he like stormed out, of co- of course, and I had to apologize and all those things, whatever, whatever. But um, after that, he kind of stayed a little bit more apart like we would go a couple days without talking or hanging out but on the weekends we would be together all the time like it was like we were dating for months and months and months and I remember the husband's husband Michael would say to me you're totally into really in this relationship with with him and I'm like I'm not in a relationship with him what are you talking about like he's just a guy on the roster And Michael's like, No, you guys are totally in a relationship. And you act like you're in a relationship. And you're always together. And you never go out with us anymore. And I was just like, Oh, okay, well, I don't know. I know that I've said that I was trying to honor my emotions and give myself space. But like, especially during the first year, but not having any side projects was giving my emotions too much space too. So I filled up my time. You know, I've always been a little afraid of my emotions that I've I've been not afraid of my emotions, but I was always afraid that when my emotions came out, I always thought that I wouldn't be able to get them under control, which is kind of weird because I, I, I'm seriously just thinking about this right now. I don't know why I still think that because when my emotions have come out and I've dealt with them and I've gone to therapy and unpacked all of the stuff that comes with them and my crazy life. I have been able to control it. So maybe I need to get rid of that too. Yeah, I mean, I need to release that shit. That thinking is like 22-year-old me thinking, not 51-year-old me thinking. I don't know. But I used to think that emotions would just take over my life, right? And I know that's part of it is the byproduct of locking some of them away for most of my life. You know, kind of like when when Carrie gets upset at the prom and then all things go haywire. Like, it's such a good movie, I know? I know. I know I know the people who love Stephen King and love Carrie understand what I'm saying. And people who maybe have locked away things that you lock it away and so you think it's this big thing and maybe it's only a big thing because you're giving it the power to be a big thing. Does that make sense? I'm, I'm, I don't know, but I know I went really dark there with Carrie and emotions, but um you can get the gist, right? So, okay. So the second part of that one, like where's t- where he's taking up space is I don't know. I'm like like he he filled rooms up like he filled things up you know and i do not mean sexual (laughs) so for once i do not mean sexual (laughs) i'm talking about the fact that he had this presence and would up he would end up taking charge of conversations and charge of situations um maybe that's narcissism is that narcissism but um like we've all experienced the hijacker right he wasn't even a low key hijacker about situations. It was so weird. There was this one time at band camp. (laughs) Sorry, as soon as I said there was this one time, I know you all said at band camp. (laughs) So there was this one time that I had to look at putting in storm dorm doors onto the units in the condos where I live. So I had somebody come over and um, give me bids and talk about the process and how all of it worked. I you know, I was I talked to a few people. One of the times, Alec was at my house during these meetings, and he completely hijacked the meeting. So he told the guy that was here to have the meeting with me that I was only trying to get the cost. All I needed to do for the meeting was to get that information. And since the guy could just give me that information within a few minutes, and since the guy was already out for a meeting, that he should have a meeting with Alec because Alec was in construction, finance, or something, I I don't even exactly know what he did, like a commercial broker or something like that. So if the window guy and Alec hooked up, they could make a ton of money together. And I just remember like the guy looking at me and he he would just insert himself, he being Alec, would just insert himself into everything, even though it had nothing to do with him right so maybe that is narcissism I mean I don't know I am literally trying to unpack this right now it was infuriating like that meeting was infuriating at one point in the meeting it was such a weird meeting at one point in the meeting the guy actually the door guy actually looked at me and said out loud like and he was sitting right next to Alec he was like what is he this guy doing here like are you in love with this guy And I remember like looking at the door guy and looking at Alec and then looking at the door guy. And I was like, no, I'm not in love with him at all. But he's here because he's my friend and we're hanging out. I'm sure that wasn't like a good thing for Alec to hear. I think that bothered him. Um, But I know it fed the flames of animosity between the door guy and Alec for sure. Oddly enough, though, you know, I told Alec to let him finish his spiel so that we could accomplish what we needed. But here's the the odd part. Like, the guy insisted the door, the door guy. Sorry, I keep saying that the guy. Um, <laughs> the door guy insisted that I sit next to him when he talked to me about my options. And it was like he was trying to get me away from Alec. But it was also a little creepy. I don't know. Like so, it turned out that in the end, I was glad that Alec was there because he thought the guy was kind of creepy too, and the whole thing was weird. So. No doubt in my mind, though, that Alec started the animosity. Alec was an attention whore. And he wanted to show the door guy up, but I don't even understand why, because they were complete strangers. I, I don't understand that, you know, but he ended up taking up all the space, you know, so I was going to say that I catered to him, but it wasn't exactly that it was more that like, I acquiesced, like I didn't cater to him, I don't think, but I guess my acquiescence could be construed as catering by somebody else's perspective probably probably my therapist too it was just the same thing I did all during my childhood like remember I didn't fight back that much and I don't know I know a lot of my friends right now are thinking huh Alex sounds a lot like Kylie's ex like he took up a lot of space in the rooms he was in you know I'm not talking physical or whatever I'm talking about like the presence in the room so I don't know there you go another toxic relationship, (laughs) another sign of a toxic relationship. But you know, another reason that I love to hang out with Alec was that he was super, super creative. And maybe this was like the most, like the most important reason in my head, probably the loneliness though, too. I don't know. But I wanted all of the, that creativity in my life. Like, have you guys ever heard the theory that you should surround yourself with people who are smarter than you? That way you'll become smarter and keep growing. It was similar to that. Like I didn't know it going in about him. Like it wasn't on his Tinder profile that he's super super creative, but he was creative AF. I'm I'm sure he still is actually. Like he did lots of spoken word stuff, off the cuff stories. He was very very good at it. And when I was formulating what I wanted to do for the podcast, he really helped me hone in on a lot of stuff. He helped me come up with the flow of the very first few episodes. And I loosely followed it, like not as much now since I'm constantly doing something different. (laughs) But it's still there. You know, one of my walls is actually chalk in the kitchen. And we had the whole flow all written out. And I had that on my wall for like six months. Like I didn't get rid of it for a long time. I, I think actually I just got rid of it a few months ago. So I had it on my wall for like nine months or so. But he was really creative. And I totally needed that in my life. Plus, he worked on rehabs for previous jobs. So anything I needed help with in the house for a rental was covered too. Like, remember, the universe was and still is consistent in giving me what I'm looking for. And Alec was another example of that. He wanted to really help out and... Do all of those things for me. Like this is where he saw his own value was helping his friends out. It was was really sweet, actually. The home rental stuff he never actually showed me how to do, which kind of pissed me off. Like you know, he just fixed it, but totally appreciative that he fixed stuff. But it did kind of piss me off. But some of the stuff is still fixed and totally working, so that's great. So no complaining. One of the things I actually tried to fix, like after I painted, I had to take, I loosened up some. uh, some doors a little bit, so I can move him a little bit. I didn't take it completely off. But I loosened up door up an accordion door. And I couldn't fix it. I couldn't get it to stay on the track afterwards. And then the guzman tried and he couldn't do it. So I asked Alec, and he actually like I was out to dinner with somebody and I came back and it was one of those times that he was still at my place. Like, you know, he was over forever. It was around my birthday, actually. But um, so when I was gone, he actually totally fixed it for me. It was really, really sweet. Like, and it's still fixed. You know, he does want to help his friends and everything. And he's still like, he still calls and gives me feedback about um, tweaks on the podcast and stuff like that. So I hope some of that still continues. But I don't know after all these episodes, right? <laughs> I'm not sure how all of this will play out with him. We'll see. I'll let you guys know. Anyways, like, so those are the reasons why I was hanging out with him. And I mean, I think now like I really need to pull some of these apart right like I need to look at it because on the surface like reading it to myself now like some of it looks great but I need to get to the root of why I chose subconsciously for sure but also consciously on some levels like I chose to to keep the toxicity going you know like for fuck's sake I verbalized that I knew that he was triggering me and I kept it in my life I don't know wait I don't know, I just I just thought of something else. Okay, so I was so used to chaos in my life. Like I grew up with the drama. So spending time in that space was super familiar. And like does it make sense if I said it's like familiar to my soul? That makes sense, right? I remember telling Jose that it wasn't so bad because at least it was external chaos and like not my monkeys, not my circus kind of attitude. You know, I thought it was external, but really like I don't know if it really was totally external because I was trying to avoid shit like I was trying to avoid some of my own internal chaos. I don't know like and like what is that internal chaos with me right like the emotional stuff yes for sure but like really is it like loneliness like is that what the internal internal chaos is for me like do I call it that like it's such a bitch to be lonely right and it probably affects like I would say it it probably affects most people at some times in their lives Are you guys familiar with that Wilco song, How to Fight Loneliness? It's the first thing that comes to mind when I think about that word. There's a line in there that says something like, and the first thing that you want will be the last thing you ever need. That's how you fight it. I think that's perfect for what I was doing. Like, I think those lines like say it all. I think Jeff Tweedy is a genius. (laughs) I really do. I think Jeff Tweedy is a genius, in my opinion. I would rather spend time with somebody I knew that was bad for me, but you know, Obviously, for for other reasons, he wasn't totally bad for me. I would rather do that than allow myself to actually look and sit at some like look at some things and sit with those feelings, especially the loneliness. It's a super ugly fucking feeling, right? I don't know. So I don't know. Like, there's a couple ways I could go with this one, right? Like, I have what I call a healthy fear of abandonment, so I don't often put myself into situations where I could be left, right? That's my healthy fear of abandonment. I don't mean like, oh my God, I'm so great that nobody would leave me. I mean that I'm the one leaving. Like that's, that's, my, that's what I do. That's my pattern. There's a little sense of control in that for me. Um, I don't know if that makes any sense, but, and that takes some of the emotion out of it, right? Like it puts a little bit of control in my hands. So, and, and that control kind of helps me breathe a little easier. It's not so scary, you know, but here's the other way to look at it. I was directly responsible for my loneliness. Like I was the person who wanted the divorce. So in my best interest or not, right, I was the one who put myself into the loneliness position. Then again, I do know a lot of married people who are also very lonely. So I don't know, if you are in one of those marriages, please try to speak up and do something about it if you can. It's a shit feeling. It really is. And loneliness can drive you to extremes. Like, like, look what I was doing to myself, right? I don't know, I I didn't want to, look at that. Like, did part of me feel that I deserved to be lonely? Because it was self inflicted? Like, I don't know, maybe, honestly, it wasn't a stretch, right? Like, I don't know. But I was raised in a chaotic, abusive household. So of course, part of me thought I deserved it. But just like when I was a kid, and I finally fought back, the bullshit that came with Alec eventually grew greater than the desire to avoid the loneliness. So the balance became skewed. But that still didn't happen for a bit. And not really until it was forced, you know, so I don't know. Okay, so I think I'm going to end this one here. I'll probably have one or maybe two more episodes about Alec. I'm not sure like I'm not sure how to do it. I need to address the big fight at my 50th birthday party. And how that was pretty much our ending, even though we lingered for a bit longer, you know, and how I came to some moments of epiphany with Sue, when I was talking with her about him. So please bear with me as I sort some of this out. Like I still have a little bit to go. So anyways, thank you so much for listening to episode 23 of Fixer Up. I hope by hearing me dive in some of my own like psyche and history that you get the courage to think about your own stuff. You know, like I'm a huge proponent of picking things apart. Like you guys know that already, right? But I'm figuring out what works for me and what doesn't. And I mean, like, how else am I supposed to grow if that's not what we're doing, right? So, good luck if that's what you decide to do. I'd like to say one more thing about that, if you don't mind. Please remember to be kind to yourself. It's easy to look back and be critical of our choices. It's harder to look back with an open mind and with an open heart. You know, every day we're learning and we're growing, and even the days when it seems that all we've done is wildly fucked up. <laughs> Give yourself some grace, especially now you know, like the new year. And I know it's hard to, maybe you guys are dealing with some of the aftermath of the holidays. And um, so give yourself some grace. We all need it. You know, if you like this episode, please hit the thumbs up, subscribe and tell your friends. If you'd like to get a hold of me, my socials are D. My email is fixherup01 at gmail.com. My voicemail is 773-236-1112. And my website is fixherup.net. So yay, please check out all of it out. So thank you for listening, Pupich. See you guys in a couple weeks.